The following is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to Life as a Life Schooler, where we talk about how to merge life with homeschooling. I'm Danielle Papagiorgio, and today we are talking to Jamie Erickson. Jamie Erickson taught elementary school before becoming a mother. When her first child turned five, she made the decision to homeschool her daughter. Four more children followed, and she homeschools all five. Jamie is the founder of The Unlikely Homeschool and a popular education blogger. Her website, social media channels, and blog encourage and equip a growing number of more than 50,000 homeschooling mothers around the world. She has written for a number of homeschool publications and is also a co-host of the Mom to Mom podcast. Welcome, Jamie. I'm so happy to have you on our show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yes. Well, I've just picked up your book recently and started reading it, and I'm really enjoying it. Your book is called Homeschool Bravely, and one of the things I like about it is that you really start with this foundation, kind of laying this foundation um, about the fact that we should be homeschooling in faith and not fear. You really mm-hmm. drive this home that it's it, we've got to overcome this fear that grips us and controls so many of us and the decisions that we make. And, you know, it just reminds me so often in the Bible, God would say to people, fear not, fear not. And mm-hmm. it's just that recurring theme. So tell us, why do you think that there's so much fear with the choice to homeschool? And is that fear, does it have any validity at all? Well, we have to remember that anything worth doing is going to breed some element of fear, and homeschooling is no different. And it's because Satan will use anything that he feels like he might be able to get us with, like our inadequacies or our perceived inadequacies, mm-hmm. um, or our limitations, maybe our shortcomings, to veer us for, from the course that God has for us. And it's also very countercultural to homeschool. I don't need to tell you that. You probably <laughs> know that. And right. anything that kind of leaves you swimming against the stream often is, is kind of scary. You have to have the courage to stand alone. And I think the other thing that kind of crops up and and breeds and nurtures a fear is just the fact that the traditional way has millions of kids in its history to sort of prove um, to the naysayers. And while homeschooling is in second generation status, it has far fewer kids with which to show the results. And we're not necessarily looking for results as homeschoolers or the same results that Mm -hmm. a traditional school is. But I think Satan can use those lack of results or the the lack of proof to try to convince us not to answer the call that God might be placing on our our hearts. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, I think there's an irony there too, because when you look at the two... um, the two methods and the resulting products, I mean, so often homeschooling, it it really, it has been proven in a lot of ways with with Mm -hmm. a lot of the kids. And, but I think the problem is 
just as humans, we tend to focus in on the negative. And so when we think of homeschooling, we may think of all of the, the negative examples and the kids that maybe seem a little socially awkward or the ones that came out of homeschooling and they're bitter because they were homeschooled. You right. know, so I think that for me, I can, I can kind of think that way, kind of see the negatives. And, and I think that a lot of people perhaps share in that, in that struggle. Mm-hmm. And we also have to remember, too, you know, we call public school or private school the traditional way because in our current culture, it is the right. mainstream way of educating. But it's actually a relatively new um, undertaking in our in our country's history. Mm-hmm. It used to be that everybody was homeschooled. And you can point to um, years and years of innovators and intellectuals who learned right at the, the dining room table with mom. Right. That's such a good point, Jamie, because we see that too. Like uh, my mother-in-law and I were talking about this the other day, how we have alternative, quote unquote, alternative health today, when in fact, herbs and a lot of these things, they were used traditionally throughout history. It's our modern medicine that's the new, that that's not traditional. It's the alternative. So I right. think you're totally right about schooling too. And, and I try to make that point with people because it, it, I think it really helps to validate in our own minds that, no, it, this might be odd in our culture, but historically, this is not odd. This is really very natural and the way that it's been done for thousands of years. So we, mm-hmm. we have to recognize that. You're absolutely right. And if you look at the history of education and you, you go back to Um, the turn of the century and that sort of factory model, our Mm -hmm. school systems that we know today really were birthed out of um, a need to equip. It it started in Prussia with a work-to-war system and then was popularized in America by a man named um, Horace Mann. Mm -hmm. And, And his whole intent was to make a factory model of education in order that he would have Um, factory-driven workers to produce the things that this growing country needed. It had very little to do with a desire to educate children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're totally right. And I think it's really important for people to understand that. We need to understand the roots. If this is something that's new in our our culture in our time period, we need to understand why. How did this come about? about? What are the roots? Because that also, I think, really can build our faith in what we're doing, returning to the way things were historically with education. Mm-hmm. And returning to those whys. Why are we doing it this way? Exactly. Or should we be doing another way? Exactly. Which really gets into the whole discussion about our philosophy of education, right? Because we need to understand why are we educating our children and, and really... What is the what is education? What does that mm-hmm. even look like? What is it supposed to look like? So let's talk a little bit about that. And I'm I'm I have a hunch that if you're like most people, and particularly coming from the background as a teacher, you probably did this thing a little more school at home approach when you first started. Tell us a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe maybe I, you didn't. <laughs> well, I, I have to admit that it was my pedagogy and my training as a teacher that definitely um, found its way into those first years. And I would say, I don't want to call it a regret, but if I could go back in time and, you know, hop in Doc Brown's DeLorean and, and scoot <laughs> back there 12 years ago, 
I think I would do a lot of things differently because now I've seen the fruit of what true education can do, and I can see where a lot of those school-at-home methods that I brought over from my experience in the classroom were actually sabotaging my own efforts to educate my kids. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and one of the things you talked about in your book is just this whole idea of of the rewards. And, you know, I have mixed feelings about this because God does give us rewards and he talks about that. But it's when you you have to put a star on every page and it's like you say in your book, holding the carrot out. It really takes the excitement and the fun out of learning because you're turning it into like that becomes the excitement and the fun. And and then kids miss out on, oh, but but learning for learning's sake, that's exciting. And, and right. we can learn all these new facts and explore these different areas of interest. And so I think, you know, when you talk about bringing those methods home, I think that's definitely one that we have to be careful of. Right. Putting a sticker and, and giving a prize and all of mm-hmm. these carrots that we might hold out to our kids, they certainly will motivate for the short term. I mean, who doesn't get motivated by a prize or a reward? Mm -hmm. But learning should be so much more of a deeper pursuit. Learning shouldn't necessarily be fun because what that does is that puts all the pressure on mom or teacher or whoever to, to engage and sort of be this three ring circus act to make it so interesting for a child. And they really have to do very little effort in their own education. I, on the other hand, think that learning should be really engaging and should um, start and end with the child and, and his or her interests and passions. And mm-hmm. if you can cultivate those interests and passions, you're going to put a whole lot more miles on an education than just a simple sticker chart or, you know, a, a prize from a treasure box. Right. That is so true. And you hit on something that obviously is really close to my heart. And that's, that is finding those passions and those interests in your children. And, and it's so true too. I mean, there's that balance between we do want learning to be fun and, as you put it, engaging. Um, but you're right. We can't we we can't teach our kids that everything worth doing is going to be fun. There right. are those times when, in in that process of doing something that you love to do, there's there's work and there's things that. There are things that you're not going to necessarily find fun. I just think of my daughter um, wrote a novel, and she loved the writing part, but boy, the editing. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, the editing, because you, and I'm sure you can relate to this being an author yourself, but you go back and forth and, and you think, okay, one more edit, and then we're going to be done. And then you mm-hmm. find more things, and it's like, okay, well, maybe just one more. <laughs> so. Right. So it's sticking with it. It's teaching our kids that it, it's not always fun. And you just have right. to stick with it. And like I it. said at the beginning, anything worth doing, anything of value, is some kind, sometimes going to be difficult. I mean, if you, if you look at that argument across the board, across all of life, marriage, it's so worth it, but it's hard. Mm-hmm. Parenting, it's definitely worth it. But there are d- tough days and difficult days. And in encouraging our kids to persevere and press through some of those hard bits of learning and um, really chase after their passions, even when there might be difficult days, we're really going to give them tools to continue to learn for the rest of their lives. Right. Even when we can't be there to teach them or to inspire them. Right, exactly. It's teaching them how to learn and that learning has its rewards, even when it isn't fun. <laughs> Absolutely. 
So, okay, so being a teacher, how did you become a homeschooler? When did that take place? And, and what was your, um, how did the Lord lead you down that path? Well, we are second generation homeschoolers. My husband was homeschooled back in the late 80s and early 90s. And and you can read about that story and how his family sort of stumbled into it, um, literally, um, (laughs) in my book. And I remember when we were newly married, um, my mother-in-law took me aside and she asked me if homeschooling would ever be on our horizon. And I don't think I even had kids at that point. And I am sorry to say, I kind of laughed in her face, (laughs) not out of disrespect, but just that it was so not even in my frame of reference for something I'd ever think to do. Homeschooling to me seemed weird or out there. And and also, as a teacher, I just thought I had the perfect gig for the day when I would be a mother. You know, my kids could come to school with me. We'd have the same vacations, the same time off. It just seemed like on paper, homeschooling would be the wrong choice. And obviously, continuing as a teacher was the, the right choice. But God had other plans. Um, I think initially I began thinking about homeschooling the day, you know, the doctor handed me a pink bundle and here I had this beautiful little girl that I instantly loved and just the thought of sending her off for six to eight hours a day for somebody else to enjoy and get sort of the best moments of the day and I would just get the leftovers, I couldn't even fathom that, that that just broke my heart even thinking of it, even then, even when she was just little. And so God began to plant these seeds in my heart as she was a baby and then eventually a toddler. And then as we reached those preschool years and then and then tiptoed toward kindergarten, I just knew I I, I for lack of a better word, I just loved her so much <laughs> I couldn't even imagine not being with her. And and because I was a teacher I got to see how mostly moms just kind of got the leftovers at the end of the day. Kids would come to school and work so hard, and by, you know, 3 o'clock when they were picked up, they were exhausted. They had spent all their words, experienced all the things, and they didn't have any more left to give for those in their home. And I didn't want that for us. Um, And I think that was definitely the key starting place for our homeschool is just I wanted to build relationships. Mm with my kids. Absolutely. And that is an excellent reason to homeschool. It's so interesting, and you talk about this in your book as well, but it's so interesting how people, how they start homeschooling, their reasons, Mm -hmm. their why, because how we start is not necessarily the reason why um, going forward. I know for us, it was a a money issue, and we were living in California at the time. I've mentioned this on the show before, but, um, and you know, California, who wants to send their kids to public school? And my husband had been homeschooled for kindergarten, and he always talks about how much he loved that year. They would have have, um, lunch while they watched Flintstones, and (laughs) he just had such great memories of that. And so it was like, okay, well, I guess we'll do that, because... We don't have any choice. I guess we'll settle for homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here we are years later, and this is like my passion that I want to share with everybody. But, um, but I think relationship, that is such, such a, a key thing. And one of the real benefits that we see now in our homeschooling is just those relationships that we've built. So right. tell me a little bit about that for you and, and, 
how has that impacted? How has homeschooling really impacted your relationships with your children? Well, and I said in my book, my kids get to see me daily, get to see all of me, my good and my bad. And, and sometimes they get to see some really ugly parts of me because there's no escaping it. I can't send them out, to, out the door. <laughs> they get to see my impatience and my um, mean spirit sometimes, all the things that, that come with humanity. But with that, I'm also given time to restore those relationships. And they get to see me walk out my faith, even on the dark days, and they would miss out if they were sent away for six to eight hours. And I would miss out on, on helping to mold them into the person that Christ would have them be. I would miss out on being able to pour into their character, being able to cheer with every success and to um, encourage after every struggle. Homeschooling really does give the day and our relationships a really long leash. Mm. And relationships are built over time, at least the good ones. And unfortunately, in sending kids off to school, parents are really left with just, you know, when you, you account for, you know, dinner time and homework and, and the bedtime routine, there might be an hour, if that, in the day where you actually spend quality time with your kids. And an hour just isn't good enough, I don't yeah. think. I totally agree. And it really is shocking when you start to add up those hours and, and really think about that. Um, you know, it just, it doesn't give you enough time, in my opinion, to really walk out the verses in Deuteronomy, what is it, 4, 8, and 9, or, um, mm-hmm. but you know, that God commands the children of Israel to, to really teach their children as they walk by the way, as they sit in their house. And that's a coming alongside. That's that's throughout your day, like you said, the good, bad, and the ugly. They get to see it right. all. And you get to live out your faith in front of them. What does it look mm-hmm. like when I mess up? What? How do I respond? How do I handle that? How do I apologize, ask for forgiveness? All those things. Um, there's more time to really develop those relationships. And, and I think... Oh, I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. On the flip side, I think what you also have to understand is that as you send your kids to school and they come home for that one hour, that one hour window that you might have with them, it's not even just that you're pouring positive things and and really being proactive. It's that you're actually having to be reactive. You can't Mm. just pour in. You also have to sort of... um, Break down. All break the, down all those the negative worldviews yeah. and mindsets and, and habits that are built mm-hmm. in those six to eight hours that they are away from you. So it is mm-hmm. a really uphill battle as far as parenting and training and discipling your kids. It's not just as easy as, you know, taking that one hour and pouring into you have to sort of retrain and that's not fun. No, no, it's not. And, and, and it's a... <laughs> I just think, goodness, if, if a child is around that influence every single day and you only have that much time to try to undo it and pour into them, wow, it's just overwhelming feeling. To me, I would get discouraged because you're, mm-hmm. really, you're really fighting against something that's um, got a lot more influence, I think, in a lot of ways. 
Um, and I just want to be clear, homeschooling is not without its struggle because sure, struggle sure. is synonymous with humanity. So my kids are going to influence each other for the wrong. <laughs> but I'm here and I see it and I can use those opportunities to teach through life just as Jesus did. That mm-hmm. was that was his best way of teaching is just teaching through life right in the moment and capitalizing on those opportunities to disciple through real living. And because I'm with my kids all the live long day, I can do that. Right, exactly. And that is really the most important thing. What you're talking about is is that discipleship aspect of homeschooling. The academics are important and we don't want to, you know, just toss them out the window. But we have to remember that when we seek God's kingdom first, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to us. And that's a promise he makes to us that the academics and all of the things that are important, he will, he will be faithful no matter what we may struggle with and no matter what we may see on the surface, he's going to be faithful and bring it all to fruition in the end. And I think as believers, we have a slightly different end game in mind and homeschooling mm-hmm. allows us to to reach toward that end game so much um I don't want to say easier because it's not easy some of the days are hard but we have the tools available to us through homeschooling to reach toward that end game you know mm-hmm. are we reaching as believers are are we reaching towards harvard or heaven you mm-hmm. know what is the end game and like you said academics are important i don't want my kids to be illiterate obviously Um, But I think there's a deeper and bigger end game in mind um, with education and with training and discipleship. And and homeschooling affords me a lot of time in the day to um, reach towards that eternal Mm -hmm. end game. Absolutely. Well, and one of the other things, just going back to this idea of just the time and how pressured... um, families feel when their children are are in the school system. We were just talking today in my Facebook group about chores and I had asked a question, when did you first have your kids start doing their own laundry? And one of the moms has older grown children and now she's homeschooling a younger child. And she shared how with her older kids, she just felt guilty at the end of the day. She didn't want to make them do chores or anything extra. It was just you know, get the homework done and then spend some family time, which I totally could understand. I think I would be the same way. But she said it really obviously hindered them in the long run because as adults, it's just, it's harder uh, when Mm -hmm. you don't have that training from childhood. So that's another aspect to consider is just the whole idea of chores and and that sort of thing. Right. Right. And and going back to the history of education, that really was a deep-rooted part of a child's education. You know, Mm -hmm. families worked at their homes. Fathers farmed or had had a, um, you know, a blue-collar job right off the the homestead there. And so they saw dad working. They worked right alongside with him and mom. And it was a daily part of their education is just that real life. Mm Mm-hmm living. Exactly, exactly. Well, when we come back, I want to talk with you a little bit about um, some of the, the ideas that you have for, for this teaching through real life. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll be right back. 
Homeschooling moms, do you ever feel burned out, wondering how all those other moms seem to get it all done? Caring for family, helping at church, running a business, oh yeah, and homeschooling their kids? Well, I want you to quit homeschooling. Yes, I'm serious. I'm Danielle Papagiorgio, and I'm inviting you to attend the free Life Schooling Conference so you can learn to merge life with homeschooling. You see, homeschooling never used to look this way. The homeschool pioneers understood that real life and academics didn't have to be segregated or mutually exclusive. They knew how to incorporate learning into everyday life, teaching with a focus on their children's unique giftings so they could be free to learn and grow into the unique individuals God created them to be. And I've invited some of those homeschool pioneers, as well as wise moms and dads who are currently homeschooling, to share some of this life schooling wisdom with you. Online, July 11th through 13th, there will be freebies, contests, and more. To learn more and to sign up, visit www.lifeschoolingconference.com. I hope you'll join us and learn to merge real life with homeschooling. Okay, so Jamie, I want to talk to you about some of these ideas that you had for how children can can really learn through real life because you were talking about um, a period of time when you were going to a cardiologist appointment for your daughter, I think it was, and, and you had to do a lot of real life learning in that situation. Share with us just a little bit about that and some of your ideas. Yeah, so I mentioned that in my book, for those of you who are listening, about um, the situation that occurred just a couple years ago. My daughter had what, in essence, turned out to be uh, a heart attack. Oh, and wow. she was diagnosed with a very, very rare heart condition that you don't often see in children. And we were two hours away from any sort of, you know, medical facility that could accommodate for that. Mm-hmm. And so every few weeks found us traveling two hours down to the big city. And, and we were at the time living in a teeny tiny Mayberry kind of town. And we'd spend two hours driving down there and, you know, the 15, 20 minutes at the cardiologist for an echocardiogram. And then we'd have to drive two hours back. And that really did eat, you know, a whole day. Every time mm. she had an appointment, it was a whole day of, of driving and traveling. And, and I did not, um, I didn't count those days in the casualty column or feel like it was a loss, a homeschooling loss, because that was an opportunity to teach through real living, to um, not just character train, you know, to teach my kids patience and being willing to go to plan B maybe or um, being able to see the delight instead of the defeat in the situation. But it also gave us an opportunity to just explore in a bigger city and do things that we wouldn't necessarily be able to do in our small town. I remember once, and I mentioned this in the book, that um, we found a little organic grocery store, an international market, and we hopped in there just to grab some snacks, but it was such a fascinating store with all these Hmm. international foods that we'd never seen before that I counted that as a field trip. And it was such a learning experience for my kids that they wouldn't otherwise have been able to experience had it not been the fact that we were going down to an echocardiogram. Yeah, absolutely. I just, that kind of learning is some of the best learning because it's Mm -hmm. real and the kids remember that they they'll have memories of that for their whole lives. Right. And I can remember another time where, um, you know, we had to pack a a bag on the go and 
um, we were hopping from this appointment to that appointment, and I just happened to have a, a Norman Rockwell kind of coffee table book of all of his art prints. And mm-hmm. what a learning experience that was. We just took it out, and we went through his paintings one after the other. And, you know, if you know anything about Norman Rockwell, he painted the real life of the day, but also a lot of historical and cultural significant um, activities and, and points on the timeline. And so we went through page after page, and every single painting um, just really introduced lovely discussion and conversation with my kids about history about um, social injustice, about um, the depravity of humanity. Every single picture that we saw left us with these lovely conversations and talking points, and, and that's an experience that they wouldn't get just opening a textbook sitting at the table right. um, doing traditional work. Right, exactly. I love that. It's such a great idea. So, The definition of life schooling is the individualized process of discovering your child's God-given gifts and talents, primarily through real-life experiences that happen within the context of your family's unique situations and missions. So I was thinking that just fits right along with exactly what you're talking about. It was really this life schooling thing that you were doing during that time. So it's Mm -hmm. really a really neat thing. But is there any part of that? definition that really speaks to you and, and, um, you know, like something that you really feel that you emphasize in your homeschooling? Well, I think the fact that uh, you have the pronoun in there, your home is the most important part, because Mm -hmm. every family, every home is going to have its own individual culture. And there's going to be things um, in your home that are important to you and that you want to pass down to the next generation, whether that's your faith or a hobby or things that you value. And I think um, with life schooling, that's real, those are really the things that end up being passed down, all of your home and your culture, and hopefully the passions of the kids that God has given you and um, the passions that God has given your kids, your husband, yourself, I think the your part of that definition really is the most important. And my homeschool isn't going to look like yours, and yours mm-hmm. isn't going to look like your neighbor's, but that's the beauty of it. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's, that's the beauty of it, because we shouldn't all come out looking like like little cogs from a, from mm-hmm. a factory assembly line form of education. I mean, that's, that's really boring. <laughs> and I don't think right. it's, I don't think it's what the creator had in mind. I mean, you just look at creation and it's filled with variety and different things. So certainly he created humans to be individuals and have their own gifts and their own callings and uniqueness that we can really mm-hmm. um, emphasize and, and, you know, grow in our children. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what he a- gives us unique tools, unique time, unique energy, unique talents. And so he doesn't expect us to build the same thing as mm-hmm. anybody else. Exactly. So what are some gifts that your children have in particular? And were there any ways that you really tailored the education to, to your children, considering their particular gifts? Yeah, um, well, each of my kids, I have five kids, and they're all so vastly different. Um, I couldn't have ordered up more unique children <laughs> had I wanted to. Um, but they all have their own unique passions. I can think of, like, my 15-year-old daughter. She really has um, 
a digital brain. She loves making movies and um, doing audio things. And so when given the opportunity to co-host a podcast, I thought, you know what, this is a great learning opportunity for her. And to be honest, I know nothing about recording a podcast. (laughs) So um, my co-host and I asked if she would be willing to come alongside us and be our producer. And she had to learn as she she went and she is doing an amazing job but that's a life skill that wouldn't necessarily just land in her lap in a traditional classroom and I was able to see that gift in her and call that out and really give her um, some time and some resources to develop that my oldest son has wanted to be in the military since I'm not kidding since he was in diapers and his (laughs) his Um, love for that and his passion for that has not veered one iota in all of that time and he's 13 now so at least for the last 10 years and so it's a matter of finding some ways to um, pour into like wilderness survival which is something that is kind of in tandem with being in the military so we we put him in a wilderness survival club because that hmm. was um, something that he really enjoyed. He is currently in the Civil Air Patrol because that's available to homeschoolers as well. And that's a, a way for him to sort of sample and survey being in the military even before he's able to. And, you know, I have a son who's who loves nature. So we have a lot of um, nature memberships. He's a certified weather watcher through the weather um, bureau and hmm. he's uh, what's called a, a bird nerd that's an official term <laughs> and he has that's the great. card and everything to prove it so I think you know every single child is going to have their natural passions and, and I think so often moms are prone to only looking at things that you can quantify mm-hmm. that you can put a grade on or a number or tally up in a column mm-hmm. And those are the things that we want to look to when we're trying to prove academics. But I think with homeschooling, you can, um, so many other things count because we can Mm -hmm. allow them to count. So all of those passions that my kids have are 100% in the education column, even when to everybody else it looks like, oh, they're just having fun. Well, great. I'm glad they are. (laughs) They're having fun doing the thing that God naturally wired them to do. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I, and I think we just fall back into that mindset, don't we? Just that school mindset that everything has to be divided into neat little subjects and given grade right. letters and all of that stuff. We have to get out of that, that mode of thinking and really see the education in everything that they're doing because all of those things come into play, writing and um, you know, it, it can come into play very naturally when they're doing this mm-hmm. real work in the real world. And it's so meaningful. I was thinking about when you were talking about your daughter helping with your podcast, that is a very meaningful thing that I'm sure she feels very proud of to be able to do that and have something that that is helping you and helping your family. It's just a very, you know, I think projects in homeschooling are great. And um, some of these things that we can give our children to to learn more about subjects, but any time that you can give them a meaningful job, um, yeah. I think it's just a really special thing for them. And I think what we also need to recognize with those meaningful jobs is it will really help them in the long run of their life. Here's mm-hmm. an example. For a while, my daughter really thought, and she was looking towards college and, and you know, 
extended education, she really thought she wanted to go into interior design, and she is quite gifted in that regard. She did not get that from me. (laughs) But um, I thought, well, here's an opportunity for her to taste and see, to just sample and survey and kind of get her feet wet before, you know, she invested thousands of dollars in a college education that may not go anywhere. Right. Um, and, And just see if this passion has longevity. So I just encouraged her and provided her with some tools to start doing some um, furniture flipping and she shadowed a an interior designer and and got her feet in that doing the real jobs of that job and then later found you know I I like this as a hobby but I don't want to make a career at it Hmm. and it took that uh, it took an opportunity of getting her feet wet and doing a little bit of it now while she's a teenager um, to see that's not really what I thought it was going to be. It didn't add up to what I was hoping it would. Right. And isn't that great that she could explore that now when she has the time to invest in it and you didn't have to invest all that money in a college right. education like you were saying that maybe she would decide at the end of it, boy, I'm glad that's over. I don't want to do that ever again. Mm-hmm. And how many of us left our traditional educations, whether public or private school, and had no idea what we wanted to do with our lives because Mm -hmm. we weren't given an opportunity to um, do real work or to sample and survey a lot of different um, activities and and passions and just really explore and, and exhaust topics until we came to the end and said, well, that's not really what I want, or maybe that is what I want. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's such a good point. So I love this quote from your book. Your goal is really not to be a teacher, but a coach. You want to explain that a little bit more? And we kind of touched on it, I think, but give us some thoughts. If you think about about the job of a coach, the job of a coach isn't to teach. It's, it's, he really has influence and inspiration. That's his, his job. And he stands on the sidelines cheering and motivating. And it's not necessarily that he's a better, you know, basketball player than the, the, the people he's coaching if that were true he'd be playing and not coaching it's just that he has he has the gift of inspiration and influence and Mm -hmm. and really as a coach his job is to see his players surpass him and and go on even further and outrank him and 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 go much past him and that should really be the goal of a homeschool mom I think sometimes we are fearful especially when we're first starting out, that we won't be able to teach, let's say, high school or these older, harder subjects like geometry and physics or whatever. You know, you you can make your list of of what you might be fearful for. Mm -hmm. But it's not your job to teach all all the things. It's your job to inspire and to motivate and then provide opportunity for your kids to learn the things that they want to learn and to cheer from the sidelines. And, and, And that really does free us up and and make homeschooling a little less heavy on our yes. shoulders. Exactly. I was going to say that it's it's a very freeing thing to know that it's not all up to you. You do not right. have to spoon feed them every bit of information. And right. I, I think we can sometimes think that we have to do that. Okay, my recording has quit. So oh, no. Yeah. Well, do you think oh. we got enough to... No, it's, it started back up again. Okay. Well, we'll <laughs> so, okay. So I think we can get into this mindset. Like, we have to spoon feed all the information to them. And if, if we don't teach them, they're not going to get it. And that is such a heavy burden. 
And one of the most exciting things to me, and this happens all the time, I cannot tell you how many days, my kids will share some tidbit of something with me. And I'm like, where did you learn that? Because Mm -hmm. I know I never taught you. And it's really funny. And even historical facts and things, I'm like, boy, I I'm glad you know that because I did not remember to teach you. <laughs> right. Yep. And so it, I, it happens to me daily as well. And I'm so <laughs> glad that it does. That's the mm-hmm. whole point is that our children will out learn us. Yes. And, and that's, that's the point of being a coach. You cheer them on and they're excited to be in the game of learning and, mm-hmm. and to continue what, what we've started. Um, So I think that's one of the most important things that we can do. The most important gifts that we can give our children is a love for learning. Right. Because if you can do that, then they'll have longevity with learning. It doesn't necessarily have to stop just because they get a piece of paper or a diploma. Um, If you can ignite that passion and inspire a love of learning, then you've given them a lifetime of learning and discovering. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to wrap this up here in a few minutes, but I wanted to get your take on, you know, because we've talked about all kinds of exciting things and hopefully we've inspired people and particularly if there's anyone listening that doesn't already homeschool, but what would you say to that mom, a mom that thinks I can never homeschool, you know, kind of looks at the rest of us like, well, more power to you. Good for you for doing that. I could never do it. I could never be with my kids all day. What would you say to that mom? Well, I would say um, you're already teaching your child. Hmm. And you have been teaching them since the day, you know, the doctor handed you that pink or blue bundle. In fact, statistics show and science shows that 90% of what a person learns, they learn before they turn five. And that Hmm. was you that taught them that. And so I think sometimes, like I said before, we tend to want to put a lot of formulas into education and make it, you know, count and, and add it all up in columns and make it this bigger thing than it needs to be. But education is just learning. And they have been learning since the day they took their very first breath. And that doesn't necessarily have to stop. And it doesn't necessarily have to be any harder um, than what it was at first. So you have been teaching your child you have been home educating all along even if you it doesn't look like it right that's such a good point you know children and babies were wired to learn we were wired to learn from Mm -hmm. birth and it's fascinating i'm reading a book right now called einstein never used flashcards and Mm. it's researchers that wrote this book so it's just fascinating to read the different studies and how children will naturally develop from birth you know up through the elementary school years just through the real world and interaction and play particularly those little years so formal Mm -hmm. it doesn't you know and i think too whenever there's something that your child wants to learn or needs to learn they will learn it because mm-hmm. education is always born best out of necessity. So I, you know, I graduated from the public school and, and I went to a private school for a while. So, so my training or my experience was always the traditional way. And I can tell you, I came out of that traditional way. In fact, I went on to college and got a piece of paper saying that I had the knowledge to teach other people's kids. And I can tell you, I knew very little. I was an A student. 
I, hmm. I spoke at my college graduation. So by the world standards, I should have known what I needed, but I didn't. But hmm. I'm always learning. And whenever I need to know something, I learn it. And I, and I, I go looking for the answer because that's what you do when you need to know something. And it'll be the same way for your kids. If you feel like you've misstepped or, you know, had some sort of irreparable gap in their education, gaps get filled in. Mm-hmm. Loosens get tied because necessity really is the mother of invention. Exactly. And that is such a good point. And I think it just really brings everything all back around to the beginning of our conversation about fear. You know, mm-hmm. like we don't have to fear these holes. We don't have to fear we're not good enough. We're not going to do a good enough job because God is faithful and right. he is going to complete a good work in our children and in us through this process of homeschooling and life schooling. It, he's going to do a good thing. So, mm-hmm. Jamie, I just appreciate you so much coming on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat about all these things and I just really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. And why don't you share with us as we close uh, where people can learn more about you, where they can purchase your book. Give us some of that information if you would. Yeah. Well, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. You can just look me up on The Unlikely Homeschool on social media. And I'm also, like you said, the co-host of the Mom to Mom podcast. And, and we have a website, and we're also on Instagram. If you'd like to purchase my book, you know, it's sold wherever books are sold. But you can go to homeschoolbravely.com to learn more about it and maybe even to preview the first chapter to let you know if this book is the right one for you. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Thanks for sharing that. And that's Life as a Life Schooler. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Hope you'll join us next time. 